This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. Hey guys, welcome to the Hero Academy podcast, the place where you can celebrate and highlight our frontline heroes, people such as nurses, firemen, EMS, police officers, and military are all heroes without capes. I don't care about politics, only positivity and purpose. I only care about those that have chosen to serve our society. I believe in collaboration over competition. Here, you'll learn the secrets and strategies that let ordinary people become extraordinary inside of their purpose. Sometimes we'll throw in some simple side hustles that everyday regular people are doing, things that you could do to make some extra money, especially if you're starting to think about retirement and what's next. Inside this podcast each week, you'll learn from people like you that were working full time, but still found the time to create a course, grow a big team, create a coaching program, a large audience, or a profitable side hustle. The steps they took, their backstories, and how they overcame their burnout that they were facing. The perfect blend of mindset and techniques. Carpe diem. Now let's get your dream lit for your freedom. I'm your host and coach, Super Dave. Let's go. All right. Welcome to this week's episode of the Hero Academy podcast. I have my brother, my friend, the magnificent, the mighty Stephen Leakley. Did I say it correctly? You did. All right. Awesome. All right. Good. Good. So people know that I actually have talked to you before. <laughs> you did. And I get it. I get the opportunity to be on with Super Dave. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we were talking about uh, cameras and uh, like Zoom and they actually saw an ad for one that kind of like hangs down in the middle of the screen. So you can maintain eye contact the entire. I don't have that camera yet. I like my Logitech 4K it uh it looks you know it comes out crystal clear but i would consider getting that uh camera since i'm on camera so often you know i wonder wow it's called a drop down drop down zoom camera and it's Uh, supposed to fix the problem of your eyes looking so you don't have to like like you do want to look at the person but you also want to look up at the camera so that you're kind of so it looks like contact. I'm looking at the person. <laughs> right. right. It, it's all good unless uh, unless it goes on to like YouTube and then you just look like you're looking down the whole time. <laughs> but We're if just it's just waiting. audio, if people are just listening, then it's not really a big deal where you're looking. Um, I don't I think most people discover me on audio. I think that's but anyway, this is not about me. This is about you. You helping <laughs> veterans to write their signature book which is a pretty cool mission. How did you stumble on that? Um, Cause I know no one starts out with their signature idea and their signature coaching program, their signature business. So what were you doing f- before that? I went, it's just an overnight success, Dave. Like I just woke up one morning and went, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. And then I started doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a bolt of lightning, right? You didn't, you never tried anything else beforehand. 3.42 in the morning, I woke up. I was like, I am going to be a ghostwriter helping veterans. Well, <laughs> I, I have a heart for veterans as as I 
have am one. I've been yes. I was I spent 10, 10 and a half years as a Navy corpsman. And um and then after that went into into EM stayed in the EMS field as a paramedic. Um did a total of 16 years as a paramedic and then uh um transitioned to to a bunch of different things, but I I I got into ghostwriting via via copywriting via we were coming out of out of my wife and I went back to college in our late 30s early 40s and so um I was we were traveling and I ha- I was on one of my buddies I was I was talking to he's like how are you going to fund your trip and I was like I don't know I'll probably do some some writing or something or you know some social media management and he's like well I need a copywriter and a and a social media guy and I know you can do that and so that was that was kind of like my first real client and and that's so I, I cut my teeth on that copywriting but then really while my wife and I were in in college she hates it when I tell this story by the way because <laughs> she's like you're telling it wrong but I'll tell it my way uh, she uh she asked would always ask me to edit her papers and um and so I did that because I'd just been writing for years and creating curriculum when I was in the military and, and as a paramedic. And so I got really good at editing and then of course copywriting. So she would come to me, she came to me one day with a four page paper and said, can you edit it for me? And I said, yeah. And just off, off topic, how long does this have to be? She said, 10 pages. Oh, I said, said, well, you got four. She's like, I'm done. done And usually, and usually what editors do is they subtract they don't add. <laughs> yes. And so, and so I was like, I was like, you can't, and I can't remember what class it was, but like, you can't turn in a four page paper when it's required 10. Like some, some, sometimes you can get away with that a little bit. She's like, well, I'm done. So if you want to write more, you can write more. And I was like, challenge accepted. <laughs> and so, and so I ended up writing 10 pages for her. Um, but I couldn't just write because she, she, writes the way she talks it's a very right. natural flow and so it doesn't always flow very well in the academic world and so that was where my editing came in was helping her take her th- take her do that and so i had to learn real quickly how to write in her tone of voice um, without changing the tone of the paper but then also write it academically and so in doing that um i think that was the longest paper i actually had to ever write for her um or, or ghostwrite for her but that that's really where i cut my teeth on learning how to embody somebody else's personality i was just writing. gonna ask you are you good at mimicking someone's voice and style if like say i gave you my first book uh are you good at mimicking their style yes yeah somebody called me the jim carrey of cop of ghostwriting um some time back and and because i because that's literally how i how i like to work is i just i embody that person um i almost i almost take it like an act like an actor like i, I get in get into your brain get into your mind get into how how you are what you think how you think and um and to be able to write from that angle um because then for cuz to me you know ghostwriting you know when i first got into ghostwriting i was like oh you want a book on you want a book on the american flag Okay, what what are the three points you want to want to know about it? Okay, let me write it. Here's your book. Like that's what I thought ghostwriting was, um, and to some degree it kind of is. You know, some people do that, but for me it was like I just look at it as a as a collaboration project. Like I'm I'm bringing something to life, 
Um, yes. Usually it's, you know, people have these ideas and they can speak about them or they can just talk in general about it, but they don't know how to formal formalize it, or format it into a, like a, a flow in a book. And I, I, that's my talent. And so that's, I enjoy that piece of it. And, and, and the projects I pick up are kind of like those challenges where I just, I love diving into something that I know, I know a bit about, so I don't have to learn too much technicality, but I get to learn and, and invest time into people. And that's where, that's where my, my heart is, is, is connecting with people. Yeah. My heart as well. I do the podcast for first responders, for military and for nurses, the people that I consider heroes and that's where my heart and soul is. And I want to help them in any way possible. So that's why when uh, we spoke about you creating books, I know that veterans is where your heart is at, but you'll work with anyone who's served in any kind of capacity, right? Yeah. Because you understand so their heart. I do. When I, when I was, you know how they say like the, the niches are in there and the riches are in the niches and niching yes. down. And, and yes. so when I, when I niched my copywriting into ghostwriting, I was like, well, who do I, who do I really, you know, emulate with? And, and because I have so much experience in the entrepreneurial world and because I have experience in the military and experience in EMS, like those, and a lot of times those just mesh together, you know? And, and, um and so it was a natural for me, it was natural to, to just almost have three niches that are separate, but equal to me. I, I, you know, there's a lot of, because I think veteran wise and what really clicked me on to the, to the veteran piece and, and, and even the EMS, you know, the first responder piece too, is, is that we experience so much PTSD yes. or I'll just say PTS. Most, yeah. you know, stress from, from it, from, from the job. And, and I was writing a book for a buddy of mine and he was like, this is done so much more for me. And th then in dealing with my, with, with my PTSD than therapy ever has. And I think we were talking about that the last time we were, bit. we were. And, yep. and like, to me, that just was like, it, it something clicked. It was like, yes, because we're telling our stories. It's there, there's something cathartic about writing. There's something that is like you get it out, but you but you're not you know sitting behind a you know sitting on a couch with somebody scribbling on their legal pad you know like well tell me how that made you feel it's like no, no it's you thinking through your own thoughts yes it's you thinking through them and and then you saying well how do I want to write this and sometimes it's the first thing that comes to your mind and then when you write it you say well well that's not really how I how I wanted to express it. So you change it and just that process of thinking through exactly what you want to say and then just changing it to make it fully express how you felt in that moment or how you feel about it is a process of thinking things through that makes it lighter and less weight on, on you. And I would tell, um, I would tell, any of my victims, that same thing. It's like, if you can sit down and write out your story about what happened to you and what you experienced, you will feel lighter. And the more you tell that story, the lighter and lighter you feel. Yes. It's so, it's so, uh, it's so, it's so cathartic. Like you said, it's such a relief. It's, it's freeing and it's exciting once you see it 
coming together in a book. You're like, wow, this is actually you're giving birth to to something that's amazing. I'm in the process. I finished my second book and I'm in the process of writing my third on resiliency and grit. Book mm -hmm. number two is about coaching and coaching first responders and how it can be extremely lucrative. And, but I don't want to get into that now. Just drop a little, um, we'll just drop a little, a little seed people remember my books i'm just out. here to, i'm just here to read your books dave that's but, all i'm here for <laughs> i can't wait to give i wish that i could have given it to you sooner <laughs> to see what you could add to it so you said it's a collaborative process a lot of people are um kind of turn the nose up to the idea of a ghostwriter um you know they have it in their ego that they want to write the entire thing themselves I I tell everyone the first book I wrote, I sat down at my kitchen table and I wrote about a page a day, um, you know, going back and forth through different books, doing research of things that I liked. And uh, you'll, you'll laugh at this one. If you copy from one book, it's plagiarism. If you copy from multiple books, it's research. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's exactly what I did with my first book. With my first book, I just copied from from like, 10 different books. I, I put them on my table and I say, okay, what do I like from this book? What do I like from that book? So that's exactly what I did with my first book. And uh, if you read it, you'll definitely pick up on where the source material came from for, from that first <laughs> book. But like I said, it was multiple different sources. So I didn't plagiarize anything. And I just kind of took it and put it in my own words, which is what basically everyone does. Now, my second book was a much easier process because for that book, I was interviewed and the publisher was basically just pulling out my ideas from me. It was a verbal process versus me sitting down at the table and writing a page every day. And mm -hmm. it was over the course of two to three different interviews. Do you do you utilize a similar process or what's your process? I do. So when, when I sit down with somebody, I have a couple of... of before I get started with somebody, I always send them like this 30,000 foot view, 21 question, you know, questionnaire for them to. I thought you were going to say 30,000 questions. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> if you can answer 30,000 questions, I can write your book. <laughs> That's like a psych exam. And I've taken exactly. a couple of them. Oh my God. It's so yeah. long. Have you ever taken yeah. a four hour psych exam? I have. Oh. I have. Oh my God. Yeah. Ne never again, hopefully. So your book writing process is not like a psych exam. It's not like a psych exam. It's 21, oh, God. 21 quick questions. And and and, and that's like the 30,000 foot view okay. of it to, that gets a framework going and it helps people think about, about how they want to frame out their book. You know, and like general questions like, you know, who's your audience? Like, what yes. are your key points you want to get across? How do you want to market it? You know, because even that, because I've got people who who want to write books to enhance their career. You know, yeah. to that, you know, you can take your, you can take your story and especially if you're a coach, right. You take your story and you can take that in, into coaching others. And, you know, I got through it. So can you, here's how we do it yes. kind of thing. Um, I've got people who, who write their memoirs because, you know, writing your memoir is cool. Um, and then I have other people who, who want to write their, their memoir ish type book, but they do it just for their family. Like, like I want. I want my grandkids to to know my story, so I don't want to publish it necessarily to the world. I just want to write it for my family, and so those are cool too because it's just 
that I, that process is really easy because there's no pressure of like we need to formulate it right or format it right. It's like you know we get a framework and then just write, which is which I have is really a cool. uh, I have a notebook. Uh, one of my coaches, a story coach, he said to write down significant stories, right? And write down vignettes and things that you want to share with other people. But I have another notebook from a very, very old mentor of mine. It was an idea that I got of getting a uh, composition notebook and I wrote each year. So I started out with the year I was born and any significant events, because you you can only remember back to like five years old, four years old, right? So yeah. any significant events from that year, and then each year after that, whatever I could remember from that year, like any significant or what what defined that year, any significant events that happened in that year. So I have a book going. Um, I think I think I probably stopped around forty five. I gotta pick that book back up. I. I know exactly where it is too. It's in my stack of uh, notebooks that I have. Um, but I have this book with each page has a year on it. And um, each year I broke down to 12 months and I tried to like look back through photos and see if there was something that reminded me about that year. So someday, um, maybe when I hit 50, I will write a memoir with you. So that's only a couple of years away. <laughs> 48 now. So maybe in two years from now, we'll start on that memoir. 50 is a nice round age to like kind of. Do you have a typical age group that uh, decides to write a memoir? Mm, I would say 50 is a good. It's a it's a good place because, you know, it's a it's a you know, it's half a century. Right? It's it's a good capstone. It's like when when you live 50 years, people kind of you know, respect you for, for what you've done. You've, you've put in, you put in the time, you know, so to speak. And you um, definitely do not have 50 years left and you may only have 25 left of like healthy living where you're like capable of going on trips and still hiking the Andes mountains. Yeah. Which is, is I have to remember that because I have this, I have this conversation with God over many times that where I'm going to live to be 120. And, oh, um, me too. Me too. I say, I told my kids that I have, um, a few years ago, I'd, I'd say I was going to live to 130. So I, <laughs> I do say that also. Um, but the, but you also have to know that on the other scale, the average male only lives to what, 75, 80, right? Something like that. Yeah. Um, something like that. And, um, Jesse Itzler talks about it all the time that when you're out, he, he talk about being out skiing and you don't see many 70 year olds out there on the slopes. So you may only have active years, another 20. See, I see a lot of 70 year olds on surfboards. <laughs> so that's cool. Just, that's, that's just, really cool. He's just in the wrong place. That's what it he's is. He's just in the wrong place. <laughs> Yes. I see a lot of uh, 70 year olds at the gym and I always take time to uh, talk to them. There's a guy that's 20 years older than me, 68, and he's jacked and he wears a uh, string. He wears a string like a string, very old school string. What are those string tank top? Yes. Like, where the like, nipples are popping out. It's like very, very old. it's 
It's very inappropriate. <laughs> very inappropriate, but but he's sixty eight. Who cares? Sixty eight, and he can and he can rock it because he's jacked. And I talk to him all the time. His name is Charles. Shout out to Charles. Someday he'll hear this and he'll listen. But um, your your tank top is inappropriate, Charles. <laughs> but he's jacked, and he, yes, he can wear it, and he looks amazing. And when I look at him, I'm like, man, if I just keep going to the gym, I'm going to look like him in 20 years. I'm like, this is this is awesome. And I have another buddy that's, uh, I think, I want to say he was 30 years older than me. So he was like 78. And he was on the frail and thin side, but he was still in the gym working out. I, I have never seen him since, but I took a photo with him because he was in such good shape mm. that I was like, I got to take a picture with you because... Uh, I'm like, you have 30 years on me, and I'm like, you're an inspiration. I always take time to compliment people um, whenever I get the opportunity. Like, I, I call it giving them their roses while it's mm. still here. And I want to take that moment right now to give you your roses because the work that you're doing, you you already said it before, but you're helping to heal a lot of people that don't necessarily know another way like they've tried therapy, they've tried drinking alcohol, you know, they've tried drugs, but uh, writing is so therapeutic and you're not, you're not claiming to do anything medical, you know, you're not claiming that, but I'm, I'm just giving you roses to, to say thank you for the work that you do and thank you for the years of service that you've put in. Mm -hmm. uh, you've earned the right to do what you do. And I mean it sincerely from the bottom of my heart. You're doing incredible work. Keep up the good job. Let's give this man his his flowers right now. Give him his give him his applause. Um, let's talk about the process a little bit more. So you said um, you will give them this uh, 21 question question questionnaire, and then and then what's what's next? Um, usually when we sit down and talk about it, it's so. You walk, we walk, I walk through the questionnaire with them, you know, and just kind of, it's kind of like this is having, just having a conversation about, about what they want to go. And, and when somebody says, yeah, I want you to help me, then, then as we get started, it's, it's a, it's a series of, usually I love doing like zoom calls. We have, we, we walk through, I have a template that I work with, you know, like a two page or three page template, um, for each chapter. And it walks through, um, like what's one of the key concepts and the key ideas for, for your chapter, depending on, on the type of book that it is, you know, it's, you know, what stories do you want to tell? What lessons learned? You mm. know, is this a, is this a professional, is this a personal thing? Um, it just breaks down a lot. And then I actually, and have have the, the person go through and, and, and type it out, you know, as, as, as little or as in depth as they want to go. And then we, on a phone call, we'll walk through those. And then, um, so that way, if it's typed out, it's, you know, it's good. Sometimes just having them type it out. That's really where the, that therapy piece comes into is, is they're getting it off their chest. Yes. Um, and then, and then the other, you know, and some people are, are auditory people that want to tell it more than, than write it. Um, and so that's why we sit down and we go through, through it on a call, uh, on a zoom call. And I record those calls so we can just walk through, you know, what's on there. And usually as we're walking through the, the, the outline, they're like, Oh, there's, that reminds me of this story. Or that reminds me, of, I want to say this, or I want to say that, or, yes. or let's get that in there. And so, so we're capturing all that. So yes. it's not, 
It's not lost. I um, want to say that sitting down and writing is a much harder process starting from a blank page versus being interviewed or just having an telling a story over a zoom call is a much, I found it to be a much easier and quicker process. I'm helping um, a retired guy do that process now. So um, I found it a much easier process and I'm sure most of your clients find it a much easier process as well. Um, yeah. What's some of your challenges that you're running into with, uh, is it just not, is it finding enough clients? Like how many can you handle right now? If I sent you, uh, like how many can you handle in a single month, single quarter? It's gotta be your time, right? It, it is time. So I, ideally, and, and, you know, sometimes I do, you know, on, on top of the ghostwriting books, sometimes I, I, I have clients that I'm, that I'll write blogs and articles for. Um, I have, I have a few clients, you know, that are, you know, monthly clients that where I write, you know, four to eight articles. And that's usually like a one day process for me, or sometimes, sometimes in a, a one afternoon process, just, just depending. Cause I, it, those are, those are easy for me to write. Um, but, um, book wise, I try not to have more than, than three clients at a time. And my, my, um, my ideal, and, and I'm at it right now, actually, which is really cool is, is my process is writing a book in 90 days over, mm. you know, over, over three months. I, I'm not a, like, that's where I niche down to is like my genius is in the writing, the formatting, the editing, getting it ready for publication. My genius is not in the publication process. And so there's so many people out there that do that. And I have connections to people. And so I, or, you know, self-publishing, a lot of people want to do now because it's a little bit easier and at least more cost-effective in, yes. in many ways. But um, so my, my process is first month is a lot of, of information gathering, um, a little bit of writing, but, but sometimes, sometimes there's not a lot of writing that goes on in that first month other than the first chapter uh, in the intro. And, it, and it's a lot of just back and forth. Let's get to know each other. Let's let me get into your story and, and figure out where we're going to go with the book. Uh, month two is, is the bulk of where I'm writing the the book at and then month three is most mostly editing and you know final copy content and and formatting and such like that so as i bring on a new client every month i'm i'm only really bulk writing one person one person every month so i have a pre a prelim so in in, in a given month i have a preliminary con, you know book a writing book and an editing book so it's okay. So it's not, so it doesn't overwhelm, overwhelm me. Uh, and I could probably handle a couple more, you know, with, with my time, if, if I, you know, depending on, on, you know, timeframes that, that clients have and, and, um, and where they are in the process. And, and I picked up, I picked up a, a client in November and she was like, I, I want to get my book out by Christmas. I'm like, and it's November 1st. I'm like, you know, and she had like 90% of it written. So okay. Like, that's easy. Like, you okay. know, so, you know, so I'll pick and I pick up, you know, one-off contracts here and there for, for, for projects and, and such, which are fun for me to do. Um, but the, but my book writing is where I like to hang out at. And that's, that's what sustains, sustains me financially. And so now, uh, I know uh, you're in Cali, right? Yeah. Southern California. Yep. San Diego. 
Oh man, I I wish I if I could transport right now, it's uh I would transport there right. I think it's like let me see, it's thirty five degrees, thirty degrees right now. <laughs> well, today it just happens to be a balmy, a balmy sixty nine. Oh my god, that's full perfect. sun, a little light breeze. That's perfect. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I definitely would transport there, but I'd have to be in a position where I could bring the rest of my family as well. So I, I, I love being surrounded by my family and they're really close. So I'd have to be in a position where I could move them all out. And I know you're on a massive property too, right? Yeah. We live on 20 acres. We, um, we, we got lucky. My wife is the queen. She, is she does not believe in manifestation, but she is the queen of manifestation. Um, she's like you 20 know, acres in San Diego. That's unbelievable. Yes. And, and we rent. So it's like, you know, there's, you know, people have their, people have their own, you know, opinions on real estate. But to me, to me, it's, it's one of those things. Like I look at money, like first money is like, Oh, I got a contract with an Apple company. It's one less thing to worry about. You know, that's kind of how I look at it. Like, like money is a necessary tool that we use, yes. but I don't, but it's not, I don't get, I used to get like just sucked up in it and like, I gotta, I gotta make this amount of money and I've got to get more and more and more. And now like since 2017, we've lived full time in an RV. And so, you know, like I'm on 20 acres, I'm on private land, you know, living in an RV with a farm, you know, so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. That is amazing. That's a cool way. It's a cool way to live. Um, 20 acres, in an RV on a farm, do you grow a lot of your own food? We do. We do. We we have a, a we actually just moved from one place that had 13 acres to now we're at, at 20 acres. And so we had to garden wise we're starting over. Um okay. which is kind of a you know, it's kind of a bummer. Um, yeah. but uh but we still have you know, we still have the garden at the other place that's you know 20 minutes from here. And um and the guy that we were on there like it, there's a there's a guy that lives on there now he took over our garden for us and so we still get we still get some still get some of the veggies and we had 10 raised bed gardens there so it's we had enough food to go around um my son has a uh, small garden in the back of the yard it's it's not it's not big and then my girlfriend has her own garden on the side of the yard and between the two of them we produced so much zucchini and tomatoes and uh what else did they grow cucumbers uh i can't remember what else they grow but there was a lot of uh, a lot of vegetables and it was so much that we had to give it away and then you also tend to uh some animals too right i do so we have the garden we have we actually have about a uh, five acres worth of a lemon lemon grove too so lemon trees and and a couple of orange trees, but yes, we have a farm too. So we have uh, two cows, five goats, seventy-ish chickens. We just picked up three turkeys yesterday. Okay. Um, and uh, I've got four dogs, and uh, I think that's all right now. You're a full-fledged farmer. You're I'm like you're living the farmer life. I'm a full-fledged farmer. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like yesterday, my wife and I were talking. She's like, "Are you going to work today?" I'm like. We have some, you know, there's always something to be done, right? Always know, one, one. There's always projects around the house that need to be done, no matter, no matter if you live in a mansion or you live in an RV. There's always a project around the house that needs to be done. Yes. Um, two, you have a farm, so there's 
always something to do on the farm. And so I'm, I'm in this like weird transition place of, of leveraging farming versus writing. And so I do, I do, you know, a few hours during the day I work. And then I, I, during the daylight hours, I spend, try to spend a lot of the time, you know, with in the, in the farm doing projects in the morning, and then I'll come back to work at night. And uh, whenever, when everybody kind of beds down and, and because I'm, I've gotten pretty decent at managing my time. It's, it, it's a, uh, I don't, I don't end up doing a lot of fluff time. I used, I used to come into my office and spend the first hour on Instagram. Mm. <laughs> just like just scroll and scroll. And like, you know, most of us get caught up in that. And I've just, I figured out how to, to hack myself to, to not get caught up in that. And then I can come over and, and just get work done. Do you leave the phone in another room or so, or like somewhere else? Uh, I have done that, but no, I just, so I, I put, I like to have my, my Instagram and my Facebook on like, uh, I'm an iPhone guy. Sorry. All you, you know, Android. People. I'm an iPhone guy too. Good. We can be friends still. <laughs> Everybody needs a few Android friends, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I put, you know, so I scroll all the way over and I just, I delete the app off my home screen. Okay. So I, I have to like physically and and I, and I, I'm an organized guy. So I have like my first screen is all of the apps that, that I use on, on a daily basis, my email apps. And then, and then I have like a screen of banking and, and a screen of, of productivity and then a screen of music. And so I have to like scroll through four or five screens before I get to my list. And that's where my, my Instagram and my Facebook app stick out. So I, I actually, I actually have to, to, to put in some effort to get to the apps. You, you made it, you made it more work in order to get to them. Um, that's yeah. something that James Clear talks about in Atomic Habits. Did you read that book or listen to I, it? I have not. I've heard of ah. it, but I have not. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't read it yet, but that's, that's cool. Yeah. It's just, I get on there. I'm like, I mean, it's what a second to screen. You know, to no, go but, all it's, the way but you made it harder, but I made it harder. So now I pick up my phone. I'm like, I don't even want to go to Instagram. Right. Right. I, I took the approach of setting a timer for myself. So like, I'll go on there, um, look for 15 minutes and I try to close the app as quickly as possible. Um, but I have a timer for one hour a day. And, uh, one of my coworkers said, you are on Instagram for an hour a day. I'm like, yeah, I could be in the bathroom scrolling for 15 minutes. That That time goes by actually really fast. Yes, it does. It goes by really, really fast. So just imagine if you spent that time doing something else more productive, like being a creator of something. Uh, yep. Creator creator versus consumer, right? Yes. Yes. Or reading my or reading my books. Um, you know, that's that's another thing I can do is 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 read books. And, was that uh, the uh the missus or was that one of no, the kids? That's what that was that was one of the kids. Uh, so, how many, how many you got? I have, I have a total of eight kids, but eight um, kids, that's right. You told me something crazy like that. Yes. I only have four at home. I have four, I have four adult. We have four adult kids that are, that are out up and out. And, uh, and then, uh, and then we have four still in the house. Okay. So. All right. I have, so if you, I have my three and then my girlfriend's three. So we have six all together plus two grandchildren. So I consider them all my kids. So I got like, I could say I have eight also. <laughs> there you go. I don't have any grandkids yet. So 
I, I will, I will bow to you, grandfather. Thank or, you. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> as my fatherly elder. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, what's on the agenda? I know it's three hours earlier there. What's on the agenda for today? Um, I've got, we've got a rainstorm coming in. Okay. In, in, a, in a couple of days. So, so it, it's making sure that the, the cow pens and the goat pens are, are fully cleaned out so that when the rain comes for two days, we, we don't flood too much, um, in there. And then, um, uh, and then I've got, I'm, I'm writing, writing. I've, I'm at, actually I have two client books I'm writing this month. So, so I'm in, in the throes of, of, of doing that. And, um, so I'll be, I'll be, I'll be back in and then I'm, you know, I'm growing my own LinkedIn as well. I spent a lot of, I spent a decent amount of time on LinkedIn yeah, and, uh, and I love it. I um, noticed, I noticed, I saw you, I saw you, that's how we connected. So, um, back to the animals, animal question. I understand the purpose of cows and the purpose of chickens, but I don't understand the purpose of having turkeys and goats. What, what do they do? What do you eat for Thanksgiving dinner? Um, I am, I'm vegetarian slash plant-based. So, but I do, I do partake in some Turkey. So you have them just, you're going to feed them all year long and then you're going to, you know, slice them up. Yeah, pretty much. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so they, to, to, to me, animals have a purpose. Um, yeah. some animal, you know, like, like people are like, um, and, and I, we we might go to blows off in this one, so I apologize. I'm just telling you my side of the story. That's okay. That's okay. I uh, ate I ate meat. I ate meat for forty plus years, forty four years. So it's it's all good. Okay. Um, you know, I I have a I have a vision like like there's there's a purpose for everything on the farm, right? Everything everything has a purpose. So so um, the the turkeys are are bred for 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 eating. Um. And so we, we have three right now and we'll have right. one, one ready for uh, one will be ready. We'll come ready this, this November, probably October will be ready. And, um, and that's, and yeah. And that, I mean, that's for me, that's their purpose is, is. Are the food. kids okay with that cycle of life? They are. And so last year when we really started the farm first time, this was our first time that we, that we ever raised meat chickens. Okay. And, um, and so my, I guess I'm really. I'll, I'll send you a video. I got my eight year old. If you if you if you're not offended by it, I have I have my eight year old who slicing her first chicken and and learning how to process a chicken. And we did we did twenty chickens by hand, and um because it was like it was we stopped and we had we stopped and we had um like a moment of gratitude for yes. the chicken and what they and what they did and what they what they are providing for us we're uh are we, i can't remember is your podcast audio only no it's uh it's it's, it's I, I can make it audio only no 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 see, can... yeah, there you go so this is one of our meat chickens okay so i have a co-worker that has chickens also and yeah. she said she won't eat her her own chickens because she said they're pets so yeah, but my my counter my counter argument to that is, why won't you eat a dog or a cat? Because they're they're also meat product. They're also meat as well. And why and why won't you? I saw a video of some women in Asia cooking a giraffe's head, and 
people were disgusted in the comments, right? And I said, well, what's the difference of this giraffe or a cow? Like I said, a lot of the people commenting in the comments, I, I'm sure are still eating ribs and still eating many, many parts of the cow. So mm -hmm. so how how do you justify it in your mind of one is one is a pet and the other one is is food? I think there's a few things. One, I think there's there's a society society's exception of what is a pet and what is not a pet. Right. Um, you know, generally speaking. Um, right. Like gerbils. <laughs> yeah. And I imagine I mean, they'd be pretty tasty in an air fryer. They, they with some might. barbecue well, sauce. <laughs> see, so the gerbils. So like 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 our goats, a, a goat's purpose is to make more goats. Like like okay. a male goat, a male goat's purpose is to is to make more goats. That's right. all his job is, right. you know. And so so my female goats, I can make goat milk, I can make goat cheese, you know, with them. Um, you know, people say, well, if we were meant to drink, you know, cow's milk, then then, you know, we'd all be cows or something like that. And I'm like, well, I'm like, go tell your mom you want to, you know, another gallon of milk from her. She's like, no, that's that's how you know. It's like, I, so I feel like, I feel like. You know, there's there's a hierarchy of 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 respect and purpose in life. You know, if if we were meant to to be like animals, we wouldn't have a brain to function and think the way we do. I um, love your view on the food that you eat because you're actually growing it and you're actually processing it yourself. So it's not like it's in a processing plant and you know that it's getting uh you you're not injecting them with steroids to make them bigger, right? <laughs> no, no, so, we, I mean, we, we, we free range our animals. We, you know, I, we, they, you know, I was, af I was afraid because, you know, my, my daughter who was here, it was, you know, that's, that was one of the, one of the chickens the first time around was her pet, you know, you know, she like, we gave it a name and she, you know, I was like, okay, how are we going to do this? And she's like, well, I know that I'm raising it to, so that it, it can sustain me. And that's, it's, that's its purpose. And so she, she, you know, um, called it, you know, it's funny, we call it calling instead of butchering. It's the same thing. You know, it's yep. like, it just sounds better if I, yep. if I say I'm yep. calling a chicken versus I'm butchering a chicken. But I mean, that's what we're doing is like, we're, we're processing it for food. Mm -hmm. And, and she's like, I want to do that chicken. Like I raise that chicken, I'm going to do it. And, um, and so all of our kids had that process. And, and so they respect the animals that we have, um, you know, yeah, and, that's the, um, that's the indigenous way. That's, yeah. that's, that's the indigenous way. That's the native American way. A, a lot of countries around the world respect the food that they eat. And I think it does make a massive difference with your health. For me, it wasn't a moral issue. For me, it was my blood work. I was told I was going to have to go on uh, cholesterol medication if I didn't change my diet. So I changed it super quick. And um, and it was from watching the Game Changers. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched that on Netflix, but it was from watching that and then watching Forks Over Knives and then just um, getting more educated on it. And then it became... Um, you know, watching some slaughterhouse videos. So watching some of some of those things. So then it became a little bit of that as well. So I'd say it's 70% about my blood work and 30% about the animals. So I, like I said, I, 
I don't ever preach to anyone. I just tell people like that's the way that I eat. So when I see other people eating meat, I get it. I um I ate meat for 44 years. <laughs> I we we uh like for for milk, like we do obviously we do raw milk. Um yep. because we have because we have the cow and um and it it freaks about sometimes and, and it, before we started drinking raw milk, it freaked us out when we had our oldest son had a had a lactose intolerance. We're like, great. You know, this is going to change how we do things. And our friend was like, no, you need to give him raw milk. I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> like, like that's stupid. And then we actually went to the farm that, that had where we were going to get our raw milk from here in, in central California. And the guy took us in, like we had a thing called camping with the cows where we spent a weekend camping out next to the cows and, um, learning all about cows, learning all about milking and, and, and everything and it was like how how they process you know their their milk and their cheese and their butter and um and it was it was fascinating and then drinking milk was like wow this is it's you know when you first start drinking raw milk you're like this this tastes different it just tastes weird yeah you know yeah. and then and then now it's like when i drink you know pasteurized milk i'm like wow this tastes weird <laughs> you know because and and so but at that time we also they were next to uh, like a, a chicken farm where it was all barbed wire and it said no video surveillance, you know, no video camera and everything like that. And we snuck up and looked in and took a video of, you know, just imagine putting like, you know, 2000 chickens in a 20 foot RV, right? Like you got no room to do anything. And we're like, wow, yeah. like that's yeah. crazy. And then, so, you know, and then people say, wonder why we get these animal born uh, viruses yeah, it's because of situations like that. Yeah, and so we started. We really started to learn, and, and and like just like what can what can the earth provide for us, and how can we steward steward it well? So everything that comes on has a purpose. We, we, you know, our next our next endeavor is bees. You know, we have a place where we can where we can um, you know, have bees give honey, and they can pollinate our our citrus plants. You know, so there's there's a reason why everything is there. And, um, and I think, I think that's, you know, I've, I've got friends that are, that are vegans and, and vegetarians and, you know, carnivore diet eaters. They're like, you know, it's like no vegetables at all. And you're like, no meat at all. And it's like, you know, <laughs> and then my friend, I use my friend's line, you do you boo boo. I <laughs> do you boo boo. Yeah. You have to find what works for you. you yeah. Yeah. And, and it works for us and it's, and it's, and it's self, it's self-sustaining and, um, you know, and, and I don't have to worry about, you know, stuff. My kids, you know, my kids don't say, well, you know, the, the, the hamburgers come from a, you know, come from a package, you know, no, they come from, they come from, you know, John, <laughs> come from Mary, 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 the cow. It's right. <laughs> um, do you think that it's partially your diet that's kept you in such good shape or is it because you actually get out there and get after it? I have way too many kids. <laughs> that's what keeps me. That's 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 what keeps keeps me mostly as active as is the kids. But um, I do. I I feel better when I when I'm eat more whole food, and um, okay, you know, it, my mind is clear. And so you mean Doritos and processed foods like Twinkies aren't good for you? Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, you, you gotta. Everybody's got a. We all got our vices. Dave, like you can't, 
<laughs> I, no, um, I I try I tried to. to stop. I tried to stop eating Doritos. I like I saw some of the ingredients in them, and I saw someone light one on fire, and then um, I I went like six months without Doritos. And then all of a sudden I just broke down and I was like, I need, I need a bag of Doritos my, every now and then. I think it's okay. Yeah. My, my vice is I've done so much better with this in, in the last probably five, six years, but my vice was Mountain Dew. Mm. And uh, I mean, I, that's, I was, when I was in the military, I was drinking a, a probably a 12 pack of Mountain Dew a day. You're lucky and, you're not diabetic. I know. Right. I mean, I was also running, you know, yeah. seven to 10 miles a day. So, you know, it was like, it did, yeah, it you were matter. burning, you were burning 5,000 calories and taking in 5,000 calories. But, you know, it, it's interesting. Like, like, you know, like for a while, Mountain Dew had the throwbacks where they had the, the, the cane sugar in there versus the high fructose corn syrup. And that completely makes a difference to me. Um, you know, I, I, I can't do high fructose corn syrup. My, my oldest son, you know, he's the red number forties that come in the, in the, and things that he eats that like it just throws him off and he yeah. becomes like a different a different person you know and so so it's just it's it's really about for for me it's always for us it's been about learning how to know what's best for our bodies i used to love cheese it's cheese it's was cheese it's and when i go away on um trips combos cheese it's and combos and they're basically like the the most processed things that you can eat. It's like cardboard with salt, and they taste so good. And, the and they have this uh, they have this artificial ingredient TBHQ that's like causes all kinds of problems. And it's right there on the label, and it's banned in other countries. And we still ingest it. And and I freely admit that I I I <laughs> indulge in those things too, but. I try to limit them to uh, just a few times a month, not and not daily like I used to do. Yes, yeah, I, I, I still every once in a while have a have have something I probably shouldn't have, but but um, it's the it's the exception and not the norm. Yeah, and you have uh, you have hills right behind you. I one of the things I loved about California is how hilly it is, and there's so many places to hike. And it's just natural to be outdoors and walking. And it's just yeah. natural. It's like a normal, it's a normal thing that you can do all the time. Yep. Even in the rain, even in our massive rainstorms that we, that we're like, oh my gosh. Although you get mudslides too, though, right? We can get mudslides. I mean, it, it floods downtown San Diego. There was a place in this last rain that happened a couple of weeks ago that like, you know, it, it flooded a good 20 feet in some, in some places you know, where homes were almost underwater and, and, um, 20 feet of water. Yeah. Yeah. And the homes were almost underwater. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. It was like, you know, and it's because, because it's coming it, down off of mountainsides and yep. into, and into the Valley. Yeah. If you look at, if you look at like a topography map, you can see, you know, like there's, there's natural waterways, you know, yes. coming off, coming off the mountains and, and in our California lifestyle, everybody wants to live here. And so they build in the waterways sometimes. And it's like, Oh, we're, we have a drought. We haven't had water here in 20 years. We can build here. And then they build and then the rain comes and it floods. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> so ideally you don't want to live in a Valley. Ideally. Ideally. Yes. 
Yeah, you want to live on the side of a mountain somewhere. And it's funny because we live on the top, and I, I would drive by like and see the houses like where we're at, and I'm like, I would never live on top of it. That's so stupid. Why would you live on top of a hill? And now that I'm up here, and we just had a rainstorm last week of three days, like nonstop rain for three days, and I was like, yeah, if I lived at the bottom of the hill, I'd be flooded out. I'm like, I'm so glad I live up here. Have you ever experienced a, a uh, earthquake? Because that was my biggest fear about California when I was young. I was like, I would never live in California because of the earthquakes. My, I have. Um, my biggest earthquake was actually when I was on Guam, when I was in the military. Okay. Um, that was that was my first one, and that was the worst one I'd ever been in, and that was scary. Like a six, and seven. It was a, it was an eight point one that lasted for sixty one seconds. And uh, it was right across the Marianas Trench. And they said if it would have been 15 miles closer to the surface, it would have completely taken the the island underwater. Oh, my God. That's so scary. That's why uh, That's why I think I'd rather live in Hawaii where they have the threat of volcanoes and they don't really experience earthquakes. Like, I, I think no, I'd rather not. deal with lava because i feel like you can kind of get away from it <laughs> i gotta go out in the ocean at some point and let, it, let it cool <laughs> yeah it's gonna it's gonna hit the ocean it's gonna cool at some point it starts slowing down as long as you don't get um you know fireball rain coming down on your head i think uh okay. i think hawaii is the move <laughs> i know every, everywhere else there, there's something you know you got you've got hurricanes and 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 floods on the coast. You got tornadoes in the in the in the middle of the of the country. So it, I mean, you can't you can't you can't escape it, no matter where you go, really. Now, Steve, you wrote two books yourself. I have written, I've written two books myself. I haven't I haven't published them. What? Like, I know, <laughs> I know. I'm 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 the contractor. I'm my everybody else's house looks really good. My house is still not finished. Uh, is it because you're a perfectionist? Like, why have you just just put it out there? It's got to be a little perfectionism. I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, you know, it's my own fear of rejection <laughs> of me putting of me putting out something. Um, I've written, I've written a handful of 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 ebooks. Unless um, you're a great marketer, okay. Unless you're a great marketer, someone once told me. Not a lot of people are gonna read it anyway, so you have nothing to worry about. <laughs> Even the people you give it away to, they might skim through the first couple pages. How many people do you know actually read a book from cover to cover? Not very many. I, I do. You do. <laughs> I do. Yeah, well, that's part of your job. It's and you're a writer and a reader. So, but I'm talking about like Joe Blow, average citizen, how many people? So the average CEO reads a book a week, right? And the mm -hmm. average person, is it a book a week? Yeah, I think it's For 52. The CEO, yeah. Yeah, average CEO reads a book a week, and the average person reads less than one book a year. So if you want to be in the top 5%, then you should do like the average CEO does, right? And then, But most people are not CEOs of companies. Most people are just picking up a book here and there. So my long point is just put your book out there because most people are not even going to read it anyway. 
I know. Unless, unless I, know. I don't know how good of a marketer you are at like book marketing, right? Are, are, have you given speeches? Do you stand in front of people? Uh, yes. Yes, you I do. Have. Okay. I so that's can, an opportunity. Yes. That's an opportunity. And you, I know you're going on podcasts, so that's definitely an opportunity to sell, sell your book. Um, I've never what, been on a podcast before. Is this a podcast? <laughs> is, that, is that what we're doing? <laughs> no, we're just having a conversation. This is not oh. a podcast. Ooh. This is us kicking it. We're just talking. Um, what is book number one about that you have not published yet, which is shocking to me? I did not know that you didn't publish it. I did not know that fact. Book uh, number one that I wrote was was um it's called the uh, awakening. It was it's a I wrote it coming out of seminary when I went through uh to Bible college, and so it, was, it basically it's my twelve it's my take on the twelve basic tenets of Christianity. Okay, right? so it's, it's like a personal survey of Bible doctrines. Is it would be the kind of the official um. So the only people that are going to pick up that book are Christians. And the only Christians that are going to pick up that book are the ones who believe are believers. And they're in probably in Bible college looking for research. (laughs) So publish that book. I will. I will. I I have another one that I wrote was, which was, uh, um, Essentially, it was a book of quotes. I took a bunch of a bunch of quotes, um, and some of my own, and 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 many from other people, and, and just kind of categorized them into different uh, into different things. It's called "You Can Quote Me on That." And so just that's like an it, easy one to publish as an ebook. That's an yes, easy. yeah. I mean, I've I've written I've written three or four ebooks. Okay. Um. So and then I've I've you know been a co-author you know, for for a couple of books. Um, yeah, we're gonna co-author one for sure. I got a series of uh, four more books. So my first book is called "The Pathway to Prosperity," and I have four more pathway books that I want to write. And I have um, I, I can say the title of it because I don't care if someone steals my idea because it's not gonna be the same as my book. the The second one is called "The Pathway to Power," and that's my own view on how you gain power and and how you gain status and, and respect. And that is through service, through serving people. Mm-hmm. So uh, MLK said, anyone can be great because anyone can serve, right? Whether you're a custodian in a school, you can find a way to serve that school to the best of your ability. And um, if you want to find, and then Jesus said something about service as well. Find a way to serve many people and you'll become great. I, I know I'm misquoting it. I don't have the exact quote, but that is the quote. So that is the premise to, and like I said, everyone can steal my premise because it's not, they're not going to have my stories. I, yep. I truly don't believe in uh, competition. I truly believe in collaboration. And, uh, so you could write the same exact book and it would be totally different because your stories would be completely different. You've lived a completely different life. Your perspective is going to be completely different. So, and that's why you can't copyright a title. That's right. And that's, and that's actually the book I'm writing right now. And full disclosure, my, my, my goal is to, is to publish this book. This okay. Year because it's right. um, And it's called the power principle. Okay. Um, 
and so it's it's about how people get that. where where does power come from not hey. authoritative <laughs> see you had see? the same idea see all i honestly believe all of these ideas are out there in the ether they're just floating around and um some people act on their million dollar idea and other people just let it kind of continue to float in the ether right it's just out there yeah. floating 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 and anyone can pull these ideas out of the ether and actually make them real. But uh, some people are just more connected to it than others. And some people take more action than others. And, like, and I truly believe the reason why Nikola Tesla had so many incredible ideas is because he was really, really tuned in to the ether and all of the ideas that are out there. I, I believe that all of the ideas are out there like radio currents. In the mm -hmm. ether, they're just floating out there, and anyone can tap. Some people are more tapped in than others. Like Steve Jobs was one of those people that was just very tapped in, and he did. He was so successful in so many different ventures. He, if you think about the iPhone, like we talked about it before, there's nothing new inside of it. All of those things existed. He just kind of meshed them together. Yeah, and he was a great marketer. Yeah, so he had a lot of. He had a lot of different talents as a designer and as a marketer. Do you do you remember? This is crazy. We're, right, we're like <laughs> rabbit trailing down them, but I love it. Do you remember the initial commercials for the iPhone? I do not. So six months before the iPhone came out, when, when the iPhone came out, the only service provider was AT&T, the first one, right? And so for six months, the commercial was, was the AT&T little blue world that came out there with a it was like AT&T across the screen on the bottom it says something's coming like for for like almost 6 months that was the only commercial and then like a month it was like it's 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 here and then it was the genius. iPhone it's genius yeah and then look look at how there's rumors for the next iPhone and people still line up to get the next one I don't know how long that trend will continue, but people still line up to get the very next one so that they can unveil it on their YouTube channel and unbox it and talk about the one extra degree of pixels that the new camera has. <laughs> like I, it went from a 13 pixel camera to now it's a 14 pixel camera. Ooh. And there's and there's a there's a fifth and sixth camera on the front and back. <laughs> like they make just, these small small changes and people talk about them on their youtube channel and they'll get thousands and thousands of views and this is just an incredible time that we live in right now um i'm trying to see how i can integrate ai into everything that i do um but i want to take it back to your paramedic career and i'm sure you have a favorite story well, like, what's the wildest thing that you can remember responding to? <laughs> My very first EMS call. Um, it was, I'm all of, you know, 19 years old. It was a, it was a motorcycle accident. So a motorcycle T-boated car. Um, and you know where I'm going with this. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you know, we we walk out and I had the experienced, you know, medic next to me is like all just, you know, cocky and walking through and like, we're just walking straight towards the, towards the car. And he's like, all right, Lee, please. Like, you know, when we get out there, he goes, whenever there's, whenever there's a motorcycle accident, the helmet always comes off, always comes off. 
And I was like, okay. And he's like, so you got to go get it. Now, mind you, we're walking towards the car and he's talking and I'm looking at him, you know, like, like an old, like Tom and Jerry commercial, like, you know, Spike and the little dog is like, Hey, Spike, you know, like, and so I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, and he's not taking his eyes off the car. He's like, so it always comes off. You got to go get the helmet. I'm like, okay. He's like, and he points, like, he's still looking straight forward and he points inside and he goes, the helmet's over there, go get it. And I like, look, I see the helmet, you know, 30 yards away. And I was like, how the heck did you see that? <laughs> you know, so I run over there and this was 1991. So like, you know, I run over there and grab the helmet. These are the, you know, the days before we use gloves on every call, right? Pick it up, take two steps. And I realized one, the helmet is heavier than what it should be. Oh, and two, my fingers are wet. Oh. and oh, uh, the guy's head is still inside the helmet still inside like he t-boned <laughs> like 160 170 miles an hour and just like you know snapped his head off and um and, and i was surprised he was even wearing a helmet in the early 90s but but um i like look i when i recognize that i dropped the helmet i turned and i just you know i just blew chunks and the dude looks at me, he's like, wipe your mouth and let's go. That's what this job's about. And I was like, this is cool. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, How so many that's... motorcycle accidents over the years, 16 years, do you think you've been to? Uh, Hundreds, thousands? Eight? No, actually, I, I, I have not been to a lot of motorcycle accidents. Um, How about car accidents? A lot, right? A lot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, there was there was one down here in San Diego some years back where where a car tried to cut off another car, ended up going underneath the semi and and getting smashed, and the guy was underneath the tire of of the semi truck and and he was like he's there and he's and and really that's the only thing keeping him alive was was the tire being on top of him. Yeah, and, I um I've heard uh, I've never seen it. But I heard a lot of calls for someone underneath the train tracks. I heard a lot of yeah. those. And I was very careful to never expose myself to anything that I didn't have to expose myself to. So if if there was a dead person inside of a house and I, did, I could secure the house from the outside and I didn't have to go inside, then I didn't go inside. Or if there was someone laying in the roadway and they were already covered by a yellow blanket... I didn't go look, but I did. There was a, uh, there was basically like dried up skin and bones hanging in the woods one time while I was a detective and we were waiting on homicide and I saw the cops going in and out and I got curious and I went and saw it. (laughs) I couldn't, I couldn't help myself, but right after I went and saw it, the guy looked like he had been burned but it was just because his blood had turned him blackish yeah, and he was hanging from a tree. So I, I stared at it for a little while trying to figure out like what I was looking at. And right afterwards, I'm like, why did I, why did I do that? Because those images definitely get stuck <laughs> inside of you. I could see it today. They get stuck yeah. inside of your brain. And um, when I went to the peer support class, the um, not a priest, I guess he would be a chaplain. The chaplain was, he was imploring to everyone to tell people that if they don't have to be exposed to secondary trauma or, or to a scene, 
he's like, don't expose yourself to it. He he's he was talking about an agency that was showing rookie cops like some horrific graphic images. <laughs> and he said, Stop, stop doing that because you're exposing them to unnecessary trauma that they don't need to be exposed to. It, it it's like it's like showing soldiers body cam footage of people being being blown up. It's like you can you can show them a little bit, but not not a lot. Like I can understand maybe trying to condition the pe- people for shock value and like, hey, you're gonna see some wild things. But there's also a fine line of exposing people to trauma as well. And and like we talked about before, writing is such a cathartic healing process that. It's uh, it's really good work that you do. And if people want to find you, how should they probably LinkedIn, right? That would probably be the best way. LinkedIn is, is the, is the easiest just because I'm always there and it's, you know, it's a good way to, to connect. Um, and it's just my name, Stephen Leapley on LinkedIn. You have a website also? I do. It's, it's uh leapleyenterprises.com. And, um, enterprises. So, uh, enterprises, that's a, that's a long word. Easy, it is. easy for someone to misspell if they're not the greatest speller. If, yes, yes. Did you try uh, to get? Did you try? I always ask my clients, "Did you try to get StephenLeapley.com? I have StephenLeapley.com. I just got it. Okay, um, good. And I haven't done anything with it yet. Um, I, I'm about to. Um, I I did Leapley Enterprises, you know, years ago when I first started my own business because you know. As long as you have your last name in your business, then you don't have to go. You know, it's it, it's so much easier business license wise and all this other, you know, tax wise. So I always did that just to just to make it super easy. Um, you know, my email I, my email has been my last name Leithcorp at Yahoo for the longest for I, I've had that email for over twenty years, and. Uh, and that was my first business email. Now I just use it for like, you know, whatever, whenever I sign up for a marketing email list, that's what I use it for. And I have so many, so much spam to that email. I have like 18,000 emails in that email and I just wanted to empty it all. But some of those emails are important and I don't want to lose them. So I don't, I didn't empty the entire thing. But like I said, that email is at least, at least 20 years old. At least wow. it, it may be, it may be older than that. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> sometime after 2001, we got our, I remember arguing with the ex-wife about getting uh, internet service. I was like, what do we need that for? <laughs> this ain't going anywhere. This is dumb. Yeah. yeah. AOL. And it was so slow to dial up. <laughs> you know, over the phone, it yep. was so slow. It's like you couldn't do anything on it. So I didn't understand the purpose of why we needed it. And then uh, fast forward today, I could not survive a single day if I didn't have internet access. It's like, it's yeah. unbelievable. I mean, I'd have to go into silence for half the day, but uh, I want to respect your time and also my listeners time because I don't want to go too long on the interview. So I'm going to ask you my last five questions and then maybe we'll do a uh, part two. I always tell everyone, uh, you know, 
especially people that are doing great things that we may do an update someday. Nice. Um, but what's your definition of a hero? Because you've served, uh, I promise not to call you a hero, but you've served in a lot of different capacities. And that is the name of the show, The Hero Academy. So what is your definition of a hero? I think somebody that just does something extraordinary in a in a time that that um that's needed you know there's you you could be you could be a hero stepping out and helping an old lady across the street you know it's like it's if there's something that needs to be done and anybody can do it nobody's doing it and you do it like that's like just stepping stepping in the gap that and and, and taking care of a need honestly when um you're starting to feel stressed out or you're starting to feel a little low, how do you save yourself or how do you show yourself love? Mm, let's go to the Hero Podcast. This is an episode. <laughs> that is the greatest answer of all time. The Hero <laughs> Academy Podcast. And That's you, what I do. You know, That's just... <laughs> the soothing voice of Super Dave. The greatest answer of all time. <laughs> trying, to, trying to solidify myself a part two spot. Um, you know, there's, I think, I think a couple of things. One, I surround myself with community and, uh, um, you know, I've got the, I've got those people that I can call when I'm feeling low and like, just to, just to puff me up, um, cheer me up. Sometimes I just go watch a really cool movie and, uh, and, and sometimes I succumb to, you know, Mountain Dew. Cause All right. I turn to sci-fi. So I, I've always loved Star Wars, Star Trek, and anything out in space and uh, and comedy. So that those are my go tos when I when I know that I need to go off world. I mm -hmm. actually just go off world. <laughs> I I go to I go to eighties comedies like right. you know like Breakfast Club you know that kind of that kind of genre. Um, besides writing, um, would you do coaching as well? I have, yeah, I would. Okay. Good to know and put that check mark in the back of my head so I can list you as one of my coaches when I when I launch my uh my hero coaches. All right. So um what's the what's your greatest power? What's your greatest strength? Your best ability today besides writing. I know it's writing. Um man, you, you had to take that one away. Uh, uh you know, I would say I kind of have two, honestly. One, one is my my power to be vulnerable. Like I don't, I don't care who knows what about me. In in a sense, like I'm not airing dirty laundry vulnerability, but just like being real and being authentic. Um, it's a, it's you have to. So give me the real reason why book number one has not been published. What is the vulnerable, real, is it because, now you can tell me, are you a perfectionist? Or is it, or are you, are you, are you fearful of judgment of, of, of that book? I'm, I have a fear of rejection of that book. Um, not, not so much the, the, the theology book that I wrote, but I think just but in who's going like, to reject, who's going to reject it? I told you the only people that are going to read it are believers. Right. <laughs> it, Hundred percent, right? It's, it's uh, right. Hundred percent, right? If if you believe if you believe in Allah, 
if you believe in Allah, or you believe in uh, Buddhism, you're probably not going to pick up a book about Christianity. Probably not. Probably not. Um, you know, I I think it's just the fear of rejection, and, it, and it's stupid rejection, honestly. But it's it's a uh, it's 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 my fear, and I'm going to hold on to it until I'm ready to let it go. All right, so we're going to self-publish that book within the next six months. That's that book will be out by this summer. It's already written, so it's pretty yeah. easy. It's pretty easy to uh, get into Amazon and get it print on demand. So yeah, yeah. By right. July, by July thirtieth, I want to be able to order that book. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick out one of my notebooks here. This is my notes. It's going on there. I'm gonna write it. I'm gonna write it down. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. that. By July 30th, I am going to go on Amazon because I support all of my authors and all of my friends. I support them not with just my words, but I also support them with promotion of their books. And I support them with my own dollars. I put my money where my mouth is and I will buy that book off of Amazon July 30th because I'm going to tell Siri to remind me, buy Stephen Leapley's book. July 30th. So it's got to be out before then. Okay. By July, because July 30th, I'm going to be searching Google. I'm going to be searching Amazon for the title. I'm going to be hitting you up and saying, Hey, we said that book would be available in Amazon because this episode will be out in uh, probably a month or so. You know, like maybe, uh, but. You know, clearly by the time, what's the title of that book, by the way? I need to know now. <laughs> uh, oh, it's called, a, you, you said it before, Awakening. Yeah, Awakenings. Awakenings by Stephen Leapley. Do you have a yeah. pen name? No. You don't? No, I thought about having one. and um, but nah. That's that's totally a, a cool way to uh, just release it under a pen name. Like you could be anonymous. An anonymous ghostwriter ghost <laughs> with a pen name. That's never been done before. Write my I could ghostwrite my own book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Call it call it leaps of leaps of fate. Something like that. That's a that's a play on a title right there. You know, I'm gonna write that down. That's good. Hey man, I've been studying marketing for a long time, probably as long as you. And I bet you I'm a decent copywriter too. Because uh, I use I use AI, <laughs> and I also know the structure. Of, so you're a lazy copywriter. <laughs> I am a very lazy copywriter. Yes, I know the structure of of uh, calling out the avatar, right? Speaking to the pain, and then setting up the solution. Like I I have it I have it written down in a note somewhere. So I think I could totally do it. Nice. I'm going to send you some of my copy one day, uh, and just awesome. for fun. If you had a comic book superpower, what would your comic book superpower be and why? My last question for you. Ooh. So now you could write this, you could write this character into existence. It doesn't have to be a new power. It could be a uh, superpower. Yeah, it could be flying. It could be uh it could be speed. Uh, I'll tell you mine, and then I'll give you a, a second to think about yours. But mine is all of the powers of the mind. So I want telekinesis, 
pyrokinesis. I want the ability to uh, affect people's uh, mental state so I could calm someone if if they needed to be calmed down. I could, you know, reach into their minds, say, calm down, brother. It's going to be okay. And just have a private conversation with people mentally. I want all of the powers that uh, Xavier from the X-Men has, plus Jean Grey's powers, so all of the powers of the mind. Mm. That's my wish for my for my superpower. And I feel like if I had those powers, I could easily make myself float and lift myself up with telekinesis. And then and then I'd have the ability to fly, but I could also just project my mind places so I wouldn't necessarily need to fly. You know, I want all the powers of the mind. That's what I want. Some people just want to fly. Some people just want to phase through walls. What would your power be? And you can't choose Batman because he doesn't have powers, but he does have a Billy. He does have a Billy and he does have cool gadgets, but you can't choose Batman. It's got to be a, you know, that's true. Batman does not have any superpowers. He does not. Which which is why so many people love Batman. That's true. Uses his cunning. He uses his cunning and wit. And um, well, I guess that's a superpower. I mean, I... <laughs> no, it's got to be. A... Is sarcasm a superpower? No, <laughs> no, it can't. It can't be caring. I care the most. No, it's got to be a comic book superpower. You know, I, I'll say the the powers that that Iron Man has. Okay. So I just I I don't know I I. Maybe it's because I've always been a Robert Downey Jr. fan, you know, even in the 80s when he was all crazy. Like, um, I don't know, I just I, I fell in love with the Iron Man movies. I thought they were really well done. I thought and, they uh, were really well done, too. I love all Marvel and all DC movies. I love them all. And uh, I thought the I my kids were little when we started to go see those movies and uh, we saw Almost every single one, but they were out of the house by the time the Avengers came, so I had to watch those on my own. <laughs> but yeah, Iron Man is definitely. Uh, and when that song came on at the end, they. Uh, yes. Oh, I'm yes. getting chills thinking about it right now. It's so good, Stephen. Thank you so much. It's been You're an welcome. honor. And I I can I do one thing here. Um, yeah, I have. I wrote an ebook. Um, specifically for veterans that I, that I sell on my website. Okay. Um, it's just called un, un, unheard valor. It's unheard just, it's, valor. it's really like why every veteran should write their book. Um, I'll send it to you, but what I want to do is anybody who, who is listening to the podcast, um, if they made it this far, whether they're a veteran or first responder, you know, if, if you get to me on my, on my LinkedIn, um, or, or you find me anywhere else, um, you just, just DM me the word valor and, and I will send them, I will, I will send over that ebook to them just to, just as a, as a way to say, thank you. I will send you a DM with the word valor. And, uh, I look forward to reading that. Thank you so much, Stephen. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your time and I appreciate you as a human being and all of the work that you're doing. I told you I love to give the roses while you're still on this side of the earth. And uh, you may even get some when you're on the other side, too. But <laughs> right now, I'm going to give them to you while you're still alive. I we'll talk that. soon, brother. Uh, I know you have my cell number. And if not, I'll drop it in the uh, DM. 
in uh awesome i do have it in linkedin yeah yeah so we'll talk we'll talk soon awesome all right bye all right all right all right family i hope you enjoyed this episode everyone i interview i've chosen for you guys because of this story and I hope that you get some value every single time. If you did get value or just just simply enjoyed the episode, please share the episode with someone that you know. If you know of a guest, a frontline hero that has an amazing story, something uplifting or a positive message, hit me up in the contact form of www.davidleith.com or DM me at Instagram at davidleith, the number one. Subscribe to the show because I have some really phenomenal guests coming up in the next few weeks that you definitely don't want to miss. All right, one.